Hello, everyone. My name is Brennan Moore. That noise you're hearing is my ventilator, and welcome to Page Turners. They were not my Star Wars podcast. Today, my friends, I am very excited. Probably the most excited I've been to welcome an incredible guest on the show. She is an incredible movie trivia showdown competitor. She is the co-host of The Jedi Way with John Rocha. She is the co-host of the Force Toast podcast. She is the great Laura Kelly. Hi, Laura. Hello, Brennan. Thank you so much for having me. That was an amazing intro. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm very happy to be here. This is going to be fun. I just got to say to those listening out there, go and check out The Jedi Way with Roka and Laura. It's good. Yeah, it's, uh, it's you know, The Jedi Way, we can call it hosted by John and Laura. We can say hosted by Laura and John. We could put my name first. That's fine. Hosted by Laura and John. We'll say There that. you go. <laughs> Let's not forget who's in charge here, right? Yes. Oh, yes. And uh, you did a great episode yesterday about Ahsoka. Thank you. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Um, I was really looking forward to that. And I'm glad that, you know, John and I had discussed it pretty far in advance like that we wanted to talk about that. Normally, we, a lot of times we don't, you know, have a lot of preparation that goes into that show. We just kind of talk off the top of our heads. But that one, I was like, I'm putting work into this. I'm going to be prepared for this. And I really appreciate it that so many people tuned in to watch because it was it was a blast. It was incredible. And who would have thought? That the character introduced in 2008 as as people called her then the next Jar Jar would oh, end no. up becoming one of the most beloved characters. Oh my god, is that really what they called yep. her? I like I didn't yep. know that because like I wasn't yep. a Star Wars fan in 2008, so I don't I had no idea. That's that's terrible. <laughs> but also I know kind of one funny. pundit <laughs> who said she's the next Jar Jar only worse. Ooh, that's cold. Yeah. That's really cold. Yeah. And it seems unreasonable. I don't, I'm not sure. If, I don't know. That just seems very exaggerated because yeah, she was, you know, she was a whiny teenager, but at least she like spoke normally. I don't, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> You're so stuck with me now, Sky Guy. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And they got if their little nicknames. Then it would have been. It's an Adrian Ahsoka with the Jar Jar voice. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, no, I'm glad that we didn't get that or anything even close to it. <laughs> yeah, but Ahsoka, I mean, I remember when I first saw one more film, I'm like, oh, good grief, who is this character? Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, that was probably, you know, that's kind of our first, like, big female character in star wars that's like a force user you know i mean we had leia and we had padme mm -hmm. but like leia was kind of at the time like kind of questionable in terms of force capabilities and like ahsoka was really mm -hmm. first so the, i think the fact that you know that's a lot of pressure i think to put on a character so maybe that was yeah. part of it for people maybe they you know just had too high of expectations but i i like that they started where they did because it gave the character a ton of room to grow yeah. um so it's made her story like super satisfying to watch Absolutely. her play out and everyone listening should go and check out that episode 
Thank you. Yeah, no, definitely. It, it was a lot of fun. And I, uh, if you are into Anakin and Ahsoka and want to know more about their relationship or just want to go back and review it, uh, that's what the most recent episode of The Jedi Way was about. It was great. Mm-hmm. All right. So let us begin. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions about Sounds good to your me. feelings about Star Wars. I'm all for it. Let's go. <laughs> so to begin with, what was your introduction to Star Wars? So my introduction would have been of um, in like 1999, maybe 2000, um, because the first movie I saw was The Phantom Menace. Mm. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm sure it was like part of the, you know, like summer movies where you pay like a dollar for a ticket. Remember when movies could be a dollar? That was fun. Mm, yeah. uh, and, you know, I'm sure I just went with like a big group of kids as just something to do in the summer and went and saw it at some at some point then but uh it didn't really have a lasting impression on me because i didn't see any other star wars films uh for years i mean for like decades even at that point so it was really when the force awakens trailer came out and that was kind of my my big connection to star wars that that trailer just kind of I was enraptured watching it. Like it was, it just grabbed my attention and wouldn't let go. And still Star Wars has not let go. Here we are still <laughs> uh, ever since then. It's become my thing for sure. Awesome. And what what was it about the, the Force Awakens that had that power on you, you think? You know, I'm not, I really have not ever been able to like pinpoint it for sure. I mean, like I remember being in the room when the trailer came on and, you know, I didn't have any connection to Star Wars at all at that point. So I really didn't know what I was seeing. Um, and at that point, you know, I I was a big Harry Potter fan for a long time and I tend to kind of come and go um, from fandom to fandom. There's been a couple of them in there for, you know, pretty much my whole life. I get hyper fixated on things. It's, that's just part of my, uh, my being. <laughs> um, and when I saw it, you know, like I said, didn't know what I was seeing until, you know, that star Wars logo came up, uh, at the end. And I was like, ah, okay, I have work to do. I need to go catch up on this and figure out what this is all about. And that eventually led me to star Wars rebels, which is my favorite star Wars of all the star Wars. Um, I, I love rebels mm-hmm. so much. And that was really fun at the time because it was, new for everybody. So I was getting to watch it week by week and I was in the same position as all the other fans where nobody knew what was going to happen. And that was kind of my my intro into the fandom. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I love Rebels too. <laughs> yeah, it's a great show. What is then your favorite Star Wars film? Um, You know, it tends to sort of flip back and forth between Rogue One and The Last Jedi. And uh, for the most part, though, it, it pretty Rogue One it tends to stay up there for me. Um, and there's there's a couple of reasons, I think, for that. But if you know, if I have to do my ranking uh, and I, tr- I try to avoid doing them, but that's probably that's probably my top one. You have made me very happy by mentioning the last Jedi. <laughs> yeah, I know it's a, it's a it's a controversial one, but it's one of those movies that like it just it spoke to me, you know, it was one of those things that where it hit me at the right time in the right place in my life, um, given what was going on with me. And it just, it's, it'll stay with me, I think, for a long time, the lessons learned in that movie. I just really appreciated it. Our listeners won't be able to see, but you can tell right behind me how I feel about the last Jedi. Nice. Yes, I can see that now. There's a uh, one of the posters back there. Now, did you oh, get that at it. 
That wasn't the celebration one, right? That one's bigger no, than what was handed no, out. No, it's just the standard theatrical one, I think. Nice, nice. Yes, I, I love, I love both Rogue One and and Life Jedi. Yeah, they're solid. Rogue One's fun because it's like I feel like it was one of those movies where if you weren't a Star Wars fan or didn't know anything about Star Wars, you could still watch it and just you were watching a really good war movie mm-hmm. and i don't even know if you really needed the context obviously mm-hmm. having the context helps a lot and is it enhances the viewing experience but i feel like i talked to a couple people that uh they went into it pretty blind and, and still managed to enjoy it mm-hmm. it's so funny because i love rogue one i don't have a rogue one poster i have the posters of all three of the sequel trilogy oh nice well yeah you gotta add it to the list then Including the Rise of Skywalker, which a lot of people gives them the consternation that I have a poster of that. But. Yeah, I mean, you know, the Rise of Skywalker is what it is, but at the end of the day, I mean, the artwork from that movie and the the poster is is beautiful. I mean, mm-hmm. the way you've got the cross sections of the red and the blue, and then it sort of is like pink and purple a little bit in the middle, mm-hmm. which I really like. Like that was my like uh, desktop wallpaper for a long time at my office. Like it, my work computer that isn't a laptop, like is an actual like work computer that I can't mm-hmm. take. It can't come and go with me. Might actually still have that on there. Like I don't use it anymore, but I'm pretty sure when I do like remote into it, it has Rise of Skywalker mm-hmm. uh, wallpaper on it. Yep. The joy of uh, Star Wars is great because with the 12 films, there's so much variety to choose from. There is. There really is something for everyone. And it's such a different, I mean, like every trilogy is such a different vibe, you know? Mm. It's just, it leaves you with like, they're just, they're, it's a different feel, I think, for each trilogy, which makes it kind of fun. And you're right. Variety is a good word to use for it. Mm hmm. All right. Who is your favorite Star Wars character? Ooh. Now talk about one that that one does change a lot. And I think like right now. And they don't have to be from the movies. They can be from anything. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, Ahsoka is probably up there for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And for me right now, she's very top of mind since we just did a whole episode of The Jedi Way about her. Um, And we've got this live action series coming soon. So I'd probably put her up there as my my favorite character. Um, for a long time, I mean, when I was like watching Rebels regularly, it was Kanan and Hera. Uh, mm. They were they were my favorite. And to this day, they're still some of my favorites. Um, but I just haven't revisited Rebels in a while. Uh, I find it really hard to actually go back and watch it because the ending is just so sad. Uh, so I tend to avoid it's uh, true. rewatching it, honestly. It's but true. yeah, top of mind at the moment, we'll go with Ahsoka Tano as my answer. That is an excellent choice. I'm looking at my Black Series figure of her right now. Nice. I love Ahsoka. And the journey that that character went on. And the journey that we, the audience, went on with the character. Exactly. And that's the great thing about Ahsoka. You know, Yeah. (laughs) Getting to see the Clone Wars through her eyes and getting to see, you know, how she grew just in that three-year period, you know, being this like persnickety little insolent teenager to becoming, you know, the grounded like leader that we, that she grew into in just that short amount of time is really, it was incredible to watch. Yeah, it is just incredible. And then our final, I always add a bonus question at the end here. Love it. What is your favorite canon or legends star wars novel 
Gotcha. Let's see. Legends, I have nothing to contribute. I have not read any Legends novels. Uh, I probably won't ever read any of them because I try to stick with just the canon. Um, my I'm favorite pouting, can... I'm pouting at you. I'm like... <laughs> yeah, I know. It's it's just one of those things where I think, especially when it comes to trivia stuff, I oh, tend, yeah. I, I just don't want to get confused yeah. about what's canon and what's not. So I, I just tend to, to stick with the canon that, stuff. That's a good point. Yeah. And that's just, you know, that's just a, a personal choice uh, to each their own. I mean, I know a lot of people love the canon novels and even on Forced Toast, like Alice has brought them up a couple of times, the ones that she's read and they sound really good. So mm -hmm. I probably should not be closed-minded about it, but for the time being, I, I choose to be. Uh, but in terms of the canon novels, uh, let me see. Dark Disciples, probably my favorite one. I mean, that like it's really Ooh, hard to yeah. put anything above Lost Stars because Lost Stars yeah. is so, so good. Yeah. Um, and I love the the Timothy Zahn, Thrawn, the, I'm sorry, the canon novel Thrawn uh, mm -hmm. that came out in like 2017 or whatever it was that like ties into Rebels. I mm -hmm. absolutely adore that novel. Uh, but in terms of like the one that like I had the most... I think like emotional reaction to was in that I feel the most like attached to is Dark Disciple by Christy Golden. Okay, good choice. Very good choice. Thanks. All right. So thank you for answering a couple of questions there. Now we're going to segue into our main topic, which is quite simply droids. Insert R two D two beeps. Here. Yeah, insert R two D two beeps. You know, boom, beep, boop, beep. So let, <laughs> let's start with kind of a general overview. What is your general feeling on droids in Star Wars, just in general? In general, I love them, and I think that they are a huge part of the fun. Um, and I think that there are more, you know, on the surface level, I think you can look at them as like a big draw for kids and for merchandising, which that might be true. Um, but I think, you know, ultimately it, it, that can kind of lead us to this, this bigger conversation of, you know, the, the purpose that droids serve in the galaxy far, far away, which is, you know, to the point of like, you know, they serve humans for the most part. And there are almost like, a, you know, a sort of indentured servitude slavery type of thing and you can mm -hmm. get into it that way or you can kind of get into it as like you know the purpose of robots is that you know robots are designed by man in our image just as you know if you look at it from a religious perspective that you know man is designed in god's image um and so if you kind of look at it like that like these these any kind of robot is supposed to be like this like perfect version of humans um and so i think that that sort of adds a little bit of weight to like the emotional attachment that we sometimes build to these characters particularly the really cute ones like you know bb8 and and r2d2 but even mm -hmm. to characters like the self-sacrificing characters like k2so i think it's really easy to get attached mm -hmm. to them when you kind of approach it from that way as well um so that's that's i think there's a lot of ways to think of it about it and approach it um, and that's, I think, one of the wonderful things about, you know, droids in Star Wars is that everybody sort of has a different interpretation and that's totally great. Awesome. All right. So let's go through the films individually. So let us cast our minds back to the year of our Lord, 1977. <laughs> 
with the moment the world changed with the release of Star Wars, as it was called at the time. Mm-hmm. If one considers how gutsy it was, in a way, to begin a story with two robots, one of which doesn't even speak English. That is genius on George Lucas's part. It is, and your gutsy, I think, was a good way to, th- to put it. We have never seen anything like that. Yeah, film. the fact that they get the first lines, or C-3PO has the first line in, mm-hmm. in A New Hope, and that's just, it was a ballsy move, you know, for the first face and interaction speaking voice that we get in this new film was not a human one. I mean, that was that was yeah. bold for sure. Very bold, and just the idea that immediately you understand these characters one is you know prissy and worried about everything and the other one's like no let's do it we're good that classic dichotomy of character they were a great pairing for sure you see it's like moral and hardy the two peasants in uh Marcellus film, The Hidden Fortress. It evokes so much imagery and so many ideas of seeing these two like best friends that they can't stand each other. Yet they love each other and they're very different. They're the odd couple of Star Wars is what they are. They really are. And it's great because they add like, you know, you bring in this very human element to these two non-humans and it just i think that's you know one of those things where you can it it just makes you so attached to these characters right from the beginning the fact that they have that sort of arguing back and forth at the beginning and you can you can get the like human feel for it almost immediately that sort of you know that dichotomy that you're getting between the proper C-3PO and the <laughs> clearly mouthing off in a language we don't understand. And uh, swearing R2-D2. a lot in a language yes. we don't understand. For sure. <laughs> and I love the fact that you've got one that we understand, the other we don't. And yet there's no need to subtitle anything. We understand That's... what R2's saying based on C-3PO's reaction. For sure. You know, all we need was a little bit of context. We don't need subtitles. We don't have time for that. It's all good. Mm-hmm. So but let's look at them individually and I'd be interested to get your thoughts. So what are your thoughts on the first character to speak in Star Wars? And that is C-3PO. Oh, it's hard to say. I have like a complicated relationship with C-3PO because I've always found him for the most part, like pretty annoying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've never, I've never been like a huge fan. Um, but I think when I think about C-3PO in the context of Rise of Skywalker, um, and that's not my favorite film by any means, it's, it, it's pretty low on my list for a lot of reasons, but I love the journey that C-3PO goes on in the Rise of Skywalker. I think it's really beautiful. And mm-hmm. I love that he, we got an even more humanized version of him in that movie. I just think it was a perfect way to end his story, I think. Um, so that was really, I mean, I think it was, for all the things that the rise of Skywalker is, it really sort of endeared me to see 3PO in a way that none of the other Star Wars films had before. 
interesting you know and i think that it's it's very interesting i think how c3po usually is not people's favorite character um because he is kind of not as uh likable i think as some of the other characters for sure. And he's a know-it-all, you know, nobody likes a know-it-all. So <laughs> there's a lot of things I think to dislike there. And and that's fair. I mean, you don't see a ton of people dressing up as C-3PO at, at Star Wars Celebration, you know, and it's like, you would think that actually would be, of all the costumes, one of the easier ones to do, actually. But it's, you're right. He's, I don't think he's a favorite for a lot of people. And then we go on the flip side, is Trusty Companion R2-D2? What are your thoughts on R2-D2? I love R2-D2. And I kind of didn't realize how and why until it was put into the context by Dave Filoni and talking about Chopper and Rebels, Mm -hmm. where he equates, you know, if R2-D2 is like a dog and he's loyal and friendly, um, Chopper is is the cat where he's, you know, dismissive and doesn't you know makes you work for your loyalty you know uh i love that comparison and how they're the two of them are so different but i'm also a dog person so i'm just like oh okay that explains my endearing love uh my undying love for r2d2 i think someone once said that when you feed a dog they say this person's feeding me they must be god you feed a cat and the cat says they're feeding me i must be god (laughs) i don't know if i've heard that before but that's that makes total sense i think that yeah chopper and we'll get to him in a in a bit but he is definitely not the loyal dog type no for sure you had i'm sure Hera had to work long and hard to earn his loyalty but you know when once she did it's like that you know he's gonna do anything for you so yeah looking Mm -hmm. forward to getting into chopper later but in terms of r2d2 um he's just he's just adorable i mean like that was the first sort of i think cute that we got in star wars you know like Mm -hmm. star wars can be fun and and weird and and different but in terms of like the cuteness factor that was all we had for a really long time um and i think he he served his purpose well in that for sure now we see that in every movie R2 was in, except his brief appearance in Rogue One, he saves the day. Like every time. He does. Yeah, he really does. I and mean, countless times in the Clone Wars, too, is he has to, mm-hmm. I, I guess, also save himself. <laughs> he can't rely on others a lot of times. Uh, he has to save himself, which I love just gives him a little bit more agency, I think. But yeah, he does uh, He does come in handy and saves the day quite a few times in these films, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. And interesting detail that he's never had his memory wiped. Yeah, it is. That is a really interesting detail. It will continue to be that uh, an interesting plot point, I think, that anybody, like, at any time could have and probably should have like gave him a little a hard reset you know like Mm -hmm. you would think that that would have been the smart thing to do and we know why anakin didn't i mean anakin had such a an attachment 
to R2 in, in the prequels and during the Clone Wars and those purpose, you know, he had a reason for not wanting to ever erase him because that, that amount of data that he had was useful to him. Um, but yeah, the fact that like, by the time like Captain Antilles got him, I'm just like at the end of like in Revenge of the Sith, I'm like, dude, like you had one job, like keep these droids clean, wipe the protocol droids mind, but you're not gonna, you're not gonna do any kind of reset on. Okay. That's fine. Got it. All right. Yeah. Um, so interesting that, that there's that episode in Clone Wars where R2 gets lost from Anakin. And Anakin, you know, Obi-Wan's like, he's just a droid. What's the big deal? Anakin's like, he's not <laughs> just any droid. He's, you know, he's, he's my friend, you know, and there's that sense of Anakin's attachment even to a droid. Exactly. It was always going to be his downfall. Uh, but that attachment to R2, I found, I've always found really cute. You know, it's his attachment to Obi-Wan, his attachment to Ahsoka, to Padme, you know, all of those, all of those things are, are really hard to watch in the end. Uh, but I think that that connection that he has with R2 is the never ending constant that is just, it's, it's just adorable and it's really endearing. And it's one of those things that it makes Anakin, Anakin, you know, it makes him human in a way that, you know, when you think about him in the context of being becoming Darth Vader, like it's one of those things that I think sort of softens him a bit. Mm -hmm. What was the line in Shakespeare's Othello where he says that Othello loved not wisely, but too well? And I you think would... that made the Anakin's situation. Oh yeah, I know that. I think that fits him perfectly. You you would know the Shakespeare better than I would, but I think mm -hmm. that fits him very well. So we get those two, and they are like probably the most famous droids from Star Wars. So we jump ahead in real world chronology to BB-8. What are your thoughts on BB-8? BB-8 will probably always have a special place in my heart in terms of like my list of favorites of droids, probably right, right up there at the top. Um, I, I feel like I had such an obsession with BB-8 um, when The Force Awakens came out and then never, it just never went away. I mean, I'm looking at my desktop right now on the laptop that I'm talking to you on and BB-8 is in the background of it. And he's been there for, you know, mm -hmm. as long as I've had this laptop, I've never changed the, the desktop background. Um, and my cousin got me uh, one of the Sphero robot BB-8s that like you can put on the wrist, wa the wristwatch and like control his movements. You can mm -hmm. control him from like an, an app on your phone. And it is just like one of the most amazing generous toys I have ever had and probably will ever receive. It's just so much fun. Um, getting to watch him like roll around my apartment and make little BB-8 noises is forever my favorite thing. <laughs> and his BB-8 noises are absolutely adorable. They are. And I know, I think that, that it's so funny that, you know, when I found out that like Ben Schwartz and Bill Hader were the ones mm -hmm. that were sort of the, mm -hmm. the people that they used as reference points 
for creating the noises that that BB-8 makes and his reactions and uh, what they sound like and feel like, mm-hmm. um, I, I, that's even more endearing to me. I mean, two of my favorite comedian, you know, comedic actors of this time. I I think that that's just it's so fun that they're connected to it in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it is just. <laughs> This, that, that is just absolutely, I mean, he, when I first saw him in the trailer, that original teaser for Force Awakens, I thought, that CGI doesn't look right. <laughs> and it was CG in the shot that they used. The selling point for me was at Celebration in 2015 when he rolled down on stage and seeing that it was a practical effect that they could do with bb8 made me go oh this is amazing and also getting to see how utterly adorable he is and i think that like practical element was so important for the actors you know to be able to get Mm -hmm. to like interact with him in that very real way um, it just made him even more endearing, uh, getting to see actors act and react with this absolutely adorable character. Now, I mean, talk about like impractical though. I mean, when you look at the fact that he's like a rolling ball, it's like, wait, so he like, okay, he can't fly. Like R2-D2 can fly. That's mm-hmm. kind of, I can see how that would come in handy. The fact that BB, like, what if he were to like fall out of like a ship or like a ship got blown up and he would just like what fall like to the i guess if you're up in in space he would just float but you know r2's rocket boosters came in handy a lot of the time and the fact that it doesn't seem like bb8 has anything like that it seems like an interesting i'm sure it's not an oversight like i'm sure they thought this out but it just seems like an interesting choice to me that they wouldn't have given him any kind of ability to Mm. uh lift himself up in a ways where one would be prohibited uh from rolling for instance when he's going down the stairs in the force awakens Mm -hmm. it's like wait how does that how is that happening I guess he rolls one step at a time. I don't know. Yeah, he's he's very careful about it, but it was. It's, he's but then, very like, how cautious. Does, yeah. How does he get back up? You know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. No. It, it's an interesting question because the the uh, you know I don't really know. Um, and it's it's a good it. It's not something that I'm really sure exactly how that would work. Yeah, I imagine somebody had to just carry him out. Or maybe there's a there's an elevator in Maz's castle that we didn't see. Uh, because, of course, Maz would be ADA compliant. Like, she would 100% be conscious of that, I think. Especially, if she's a thousand years old. Like, she knows. She gets it. Yep. I'd be able to visit her castle while it was still standing. Exactly. Yeah, and BBA would be able to get around. That's all we need. Yep. Um, we get that, and BBA. I mean, just like happy beats has now become a thing. <laughs> it's Jennifer Landa's um, podcast, and just every, every beat that he does is adorable. It's so cute. He is indeed. He's got the best noises. So then we come along to K2SO. 
what are your thoughts on K2? I love K2SO um, to the point where I'm like, I was so disappointed to hear that he's not going to be in the first season of the Cassie and Andor show mm-hmm. um, that I just think that that's like such a mistake um, on their part, but I get it. I think, I think it was due to, to COVID and Alan Tudyk not being able to actually get overseas to, to film mm-hmm. it or maybe scheduling issues. I don't know. Um, yeah, but I think that that just sucks because I love K2SO. I love that we're getting sort of, you know, somebody in the same kind of category as, as uh, C3PO in like the sort of, if you want to put him in the category of like SAS slash upright <laughs> humanoid type of droid. Um, but just modernized the sort of humor, I think, or like, and then just added more humor just in general. Um, and when you bring in someone like Alan Tudyk to it, I think it just, it, it's just the epitome of, you know, of, of comedy and of this very serious, very sad story. Um, and I think that they, they needed something like that in this story to sort of lighten the mood. So I'm glad that he, that he was the one to do that. And I really enjoyed the performance overall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Alan Tudyk is a legend. I mean, the guy, he was in a Night's Tale. He was in uh, Firefly. He was in, well, Moana. Yeah, I was going to say, he was a rooster in Moana. <laughs> yeah, interesting role, but okay. And he was a, um, he was in uh, 42 with, with the late Judd McBoseman. Yeah. And, you know, I get it. Like he's a busy working actor. Like there's, he's not going to be able to make it to, to every single thing. I'm sure that he, that he gets offered. Um, but yeah, it, it is too bad that he's not going to end up being in that first season, but that makes me even more excited to get through season one of Cassie and Andor so we can get to season two and get more K2SO in our lives, because I don't think that there's enough and I don't think there ever could be enough. Yeah. And speaking of the SAS, I mean, uh, Sassy droids are like all the rage in Star Wars. <laughs> and I love K2's like sarcastic one liners and you know, like, how come she gets a gun and I don't? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's I think he's one of my, you know, one of those things that that I've actually get gotten to see in person up close he might be the only droid I think that I've had that experience with at least one that like moves like when I've, I've done like a sort of tour of, of Lucasfilm and there's a, a life-size C-3PO and in, in R2, but they don't move or make any noise. They're just um, like sort of statues, but K2SO is, or was, I don't know if the void is, is still a thing, but when you go and do like a virtual reality experience um, they have a star Wars one where K2 is actually like riding in an elevator with you and you like, you can touch him and talk to him and he interacts with you and instructs you and kind of guides you along part of this journey during the the VR experience. And it's very cool. And so getting to do that with my sister, um, when we were in Florida back in, in January, 2020, it was our last vacation before the pandemic, um, getting to go through that with her and like she, her getting to like interact with with this very real robot, even though she's not a Star Wars fan, um, that it's the, you know, our experiences make us. And I think that that was a really fun 
that was a great experience for her, even not being a Star Wars fan. And that like was so much more enjoyable for me uh, that we got to go through that together. And with K2, K2 was there the whole time. It's so amazing what performance capture is able to do. It really is. That it was Alan Tudyk there on set, interacting with the other actors. And K2, when he's all done, is so real. And um, I remember watching the movie for the first time. The moment K2 bit the dust, I went, uh-oh. Because if, the dro- if they're willing to kill off the droid, it means the other characters aren't safe either. Yeah, that was that was the moment where it began, where you, all you can think is like, oh boy, this is where the tragedy is really going to start. Uh, they, it, they really <laughs> were like, don't get attached to any of these yeah. people, including his, this droid. <laughs> his sacrifice was so moving. It was, it really was. And that's like one of my favorite scenes uh, to go back and watch during when I see, when I get to rewatch Rogue One. It's one, That's when Rogue One is one of the hardest movies for me to study in Star Wars, you know, for trivia competitions is because I just want to sit and watch it and enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Especially mm-hmm. that ending part where the Battle of Scarif is happening overhead and you, you start to get that, you know, your father would be proud of you yeah. score, that track from is playing in the score and it just it's just one emotional gut punch after the other, but it's really K2's death. I think that kind of kicks it off. It's, it's Chirrut's death that really gets me the hardest, I think. Yeah, yeah. His, um, that was one of those things where I put off reading the Rogue One novel for a really long time, uh, the novelization. And I, when I finally did read it, I'm so glad that I did because they really, they flesh out that relationship between uh, mm-hmm. Bays and, and Chirrut a lot more than we get in in the film and which is understandable you can't fit everything in there and the rogue one novelization is huge um and there's so much added stuff but that's one of my favorite parts about it is is it's even more moving if you can imagine in the novelization that's amazing and k2 what a great character for sure so i realized i forgot to mention something in terms of real world release dates and that's rebels Chopper. Exactly. Let's talk about Chopper. <laughs> <laughs> what are your feelings on Chopper? My feelings on Chopper have evolved a lot. I remember watching like the first season of Rebels, and I know that there's there's a lot of people who don't appreciate the first season of Rebels. It serves a, a very specific purpose, mm-hmm. um, which mostly is to you know you have to get to know Kanan before he becomes the really good teacher he has to struggle through that and that's the story that we get of him learning how to become a a good mentor Mm -hmm. in season one but like getting to know chopper i was like just so annoyed with him the entire first season i was just like i don't like destroyed and i don't know why he's not more like r2 you already have the blueprint why wouldn't you just follow the blueprint um but he, he grows on you. I mean, like, was the farther you get into that story and the more you see him interact with the other characters, he just, he will sneak into your heart and bury himself in there. And by the time you get to season four and you see that, you know, him grabbing Hera's hand and holding onto it, oh my mm. God, just tears you apart. That was a moment where it's like, wow, okay. <laughs> yeah. And he knows how to be like, you know, he has these like quiet moments that are, 
that are just so perfect. I think they, it was an interesting, um, I think, you know, you, you look back on George Lucas making the sort of ballsy choice to, to have these two droids open his movie. And I think that taking a very different route with Chopper and Star Wars Rebels was a, was just as daring of a move. I mean, that mm-hmm. could have easily backfired um, if they hadn't, I think, treaded the line carefully of like really, even like Ahsoka, building up the character from the, the ground up and they just worm your way right to the, your heart to the point where you don't even notice that it happens until you're like, oh shit, how did I get so attached to this <laughs> this machine? Yep, and Chopper, like R2, saves the day a lot. <laughs> And, he did, and he's so sassy. And he's sassy, and I love his verbalizations. His, <laughs> no. yeah, and the, I mean, like that was even, you know, I think that's part of how they did it was the fact that they actually had like a live action chopper in like Rebels Recon, and you would see him rolling around like the Lucasfilm offices, and I just got such a kick out of it every single time. They'd roll around going, yes. <laughs> He was so great. I mean, what a treat to find out in the end that he was voiced by Dave Filoni the whole time. I yep. just think that's yep. so perfect. Also, we see him in Rogue One. Yes. Yeah. across the screen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's probably, I saw Rogue One in theaters, like, probably five or six times and it took me so long to note. I couldn't find him. Like people would be like, oh yeah. Remember when they say like General Syndulla and like Chopper rolls across screen. I'm just like, no, when does that happen? Like, I don't, somebody show me. (laughs) Uh, It took forever for me to finally notice, but it's a very rewarding experience when you do. And Chopper's hard to miss. I'm like, I don't know how I kept missing him because you can hear him. (laughs) (laughs) I, I have to ask, a side question. When we see the ghost in the Rise of Skywalker, mm-hmm. do you think Chopper was on board? Yeah, I think he probably was. I, I think that that's the most likely candidate, you know? Because, like, the great thing about droids is that they don't age. Mm-hmm. Um, or, I mean, they do eventually, you know, some of the, I'm sure some of the software and even some of the hardware becomes obsolete. But so mm-hmm. hopefully he's had some upgrades by then. Um, but I, I have no doubt that if he hasn't gotten himself blown up in some sort of mishap or in a self-sacrificing thing to save Hera, I think that he would for sure be on the on board. Awesome. And the idea of his backstory, he was the astronaut in a Y-wing that crashed during the Clone Wars. That's still there by Hera's house that she befriended. Yeah, I love That's that a detail. Fascinating little detail. It is. It's like, don't you like? I want to know, like, who was that Y-wing pilot that he was initially flying with, and like, what kind of attachment did Chopper have to that pilot, and how does that affect, you know, this sort of sassy, off-putting character that we start off with in Star Wars Rebels, and that you know, I'm sure Hera had to work really hard at. Mm-hmm. to earn his trust and earn his loyalty and that's a story i would i would like to see someday and how great was it to see him again in the bad match yes it was that was such a tr- it was such a surprise i had no idea that we were gonna get hera content in in the bad batch i mean of all things and it was Aaron such omega erin omega makes such a cute duo they do they do they're a great team that was wonderful to see that Okay, so we come back then to 
we continue sort of in the timeline of the real world movie release dates when we come to Solo with L337. What are your thoughts on her? Oh my gosh. I'm just like, every time we bring up a new droid, I want to be like, no, that one's my favorite. And that's, I'm having the same thing with, with L3. Um, I'm trying to remember if I watched, if I saw Fleabag before mm. Solo. I don't think that I did. I think that came afterwards. Um, but getting to, getting to see Phoebe Waller-Bridge in that role is just so delightful to me. And playing this sort of badass feminist character <laughs> in droid form is was again i mean just unexpected um and really refreshing and i think there's a lot about solo for me that that strikes that same chord but l3 is a big big part of it um and get you know you talk about the self-sacrifice i mean right there she's another one that'll just destroy you not even just on her act alone but lando's reaction to it you know that that's the part that'll really tear you up. That's absolutely right. And it was so funny. One of my favorite scenes in that movie is the brief scene when L3 is talking to Kira in the cockpit. That cracks me up every time I watch it. Exactly. Yeah. She's like, oh, please. It's just us. We can have girl talk now. It's just, mm -hmm. <laughs> it's amazing. The whole thing about you know Lando's feelings for me and Kira's like, uh, okay, <laughs> <laughs> how does that work? Like it's just it's, oh, it it's such a great <laughs> scene. <laughs> yeah, she's amazing. Which and makes you wonder. Then it's like, okay, well, you know, yeah. <laughs> and there's such a fun i think the backstory of how phoebe waller bridge ended up in the role is just so funny to me i mean hearing that she really had no like prior knowledge of anything star wars related and they brought her in to audition for it and she just had no i don't think she had a lot of context of like what the character was or how to be droid like and it's just the fact that they they still made it work around her, I think, to like make sure that they could put her in this movie because she was just that good. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's just, it's just amazing. L3 is a very unique character for a droid, I think. She is. Um, we haven't gotten a ton of like sort of female, um, I think, leaning droids, mm -hmm. and especially not in canon. Like there, mm -hmm. there are plenty of them in the Clone Wars, but it's, or I'm sorry, in the films, but that, uh, that, that was a fun one to get to actually see one on screen on the big screen um for you know one of the first times i think i'm trying to think if there were any other like sort of female uh programmed droids that we had if uh, there weren't tc14 in phantom menace ah yes yeah with the very brief tc14 yeah. appearance that we got and it's one in the Clone Wars movie, Jabba's old protocol droid. So ah, uh, yeah, TC seventy, I think. TC seventy, um, yeah. The mighty uh, Jabba. <laughs> exactly, but yeah, that was. She's a fun one. I love that. It's still so funny to think about the fact that Phoebe Waller-Bridge was in a Star Wars film. I sometimes forget it. You know, like how Kira Knightley forgets that she was in Star Wars. Sometimes yeah. I forget that Phoebe Waller-Bridge was in Star Wars because she's but, just yeah. she just was in it so deeply and the fact that we you know we didn't see her face is probably a big part of it but it's it's just so perfect i think that and that performance that, is great bringing that phoebe waller bridge ism 
to the character. Yes, and that that level of humor and that even, you know, we, we've talked a lot about sass in this episode and there's, that's probably like second only to Chopper is L3. Mm-hmm. I, I think I would agree in terms of sass. <laughs> and then we come to a, a droid that doesn't get a lot of screen done, but is interesting to me at least, and that's Deal. Oh, uh, yeah. Deal is adorable to me, I think. Now, this was, it was interesting that you mentioned Celebration 2015 when they brought BBA it out because I feel like they were kind of going for the same thing at Celebration 2019 when they brought Dio out and we were all just kind of like huh okay like nobody there I don't feel like there was a very strong reaction from the audience we were all just kind of like yeah that's 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 cool we've we've seen droids before that that we've seen droids that roll that's fine like it's but he is really cute in his own regard um Indeed. I just love that his little like that deal that deal mm. <laughs> yeah he's i mean he's so cute it's just his little voice battery charged and then it's just not it, it never stops being delightful getting to hear every little line that we get from him is just it just induces laughter it can't yeah. possibly it like, can't not do that you know he's like no no thank you no thank you <laughs> <laughs> Like that's, I mean, that's the moment. It's like when he, when he jumps backwards from Ray of all people. And it's like, you immediately know like, oh my God, this droid has seen some stuff. Like yeah, this poor that, thing. That's the thing where it's like, oh my word, what is this droid seeing? Yeah. You immediately <laughs> sympathize with him. Like they knew exactly what they were doing with Dio. The, the blueprint was there. The cuteness was there. And you the, immediately uh, shake your fist at OT from this treating him. Right? If, like, you didn't already hate him enough, like, let's add this on top of it that you would ever mistreat a little adorable little droid like Dio. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then we come to the Bad Batch with Donkey. <laughs> oh, Gonky. So cute. I hope we get more Gonky content in season two. Mm-hmm. I love that Wrecker uses him to lift weights <laughs> and i think gonky likes it too i feel yeah. like he gets a big kick out of it and he's also enjoying himself so i i fully appreciate it and it was i love omega's relationship with gonky yes <laughs> he's so caring about him yeah yeah he's you know they're part of the family that's the thing about droids it's like they they become part of the Star Wars experience and they become part of the family for each of the characters that get attached to them, uh, whether they should or not. And that's, I think, the beauty of it. Omega, or should should I say Omega? (laughs) Yeah, Uh, I just love the the accent. It doesn't count unless you say it in the accent, for sure. Yeah, the gonky, you know, gonky. It's so... It's utterly adorable and just, you know, what is it about golf droids that we find so interesting? Exactly. I'm like, they only have one noise. Like there's not a ton of like inflection in their voices. (laughs) It's very, it's very bare bones, but it's, it somehow works. I can't explain it. Yes. (laughs) That could be part of it. Yeah. This sort of uh, gonky shuffle is, uh, Mm -hmm. which could be a dance. We could. F- Ooh, could the donkey shovel. 
Uh, but yeah, I love the, uh, I love that what we get out of droids and animation, they like, there's something next level about it where they, they're just able to do even more than they can, you know, with, with the practical droid that has to be practical at least some of the time in, in the films, but the yeah. fact that, you know, animation, you can, you, the world is your oyster in that sense, you know? I love that this one time when Gonky got scared of something, he retracted his legs. Up. <laughs> it's like a turtle. Into him, yeah. <laughs> and they basically just look like garbage cans with legs. Yep. There's, they shouldn't, it shouldn't be cute, but it is. <laughs> it is so now. It's very strange. This then brings us to a droid who only appears in one episode. But a droid that I recall hearing you talk about how much you loved. And that's Clink. That is Clink, without question. I knew mm-hmm. exactly who you were going to bring up. Oh, Clink. I just need him to come back. I need them to I need them to go get him off of whatever planet that was that they left him on with the oh god, Rita Perlman. What was her character's name? I don't even remember. Like I need to go back and rewatch the, with, the bad uh, batch. Sid. Sid. I kept wanting to say Sue and I knew that was wrong. Um, but yeah, I need them to go back and and find find Clink and bring him into the fold and bring him into the family. And he's going to be our newest bad batch member. And you got to give him armor so that he matches with everybody. He was just so endearing. I just, Mm -hmm. you took, they took like basically a sort of BB-8 cuteness and gave him arms and legs. And I don't know why that's so cute. I can't explain it, but it is. And it Mm -hmm. just, it just worked for me. And I need more clink in my life. Yes. And just his little like accordion arms and legs and just his funny little walk. Right. I need to get, I need like some clink merch and I'm not going to ever get that because there's only one episode that he's in. So it's, I I get it, but I'm like, I just want, I need like a hat or something that just has him on it. So people are like, what the hell? What is that? Season two of Bad Batch, they'll return to Pantora and collect clink. Exactly. And then one other droid that I'd like to talk about as we wrap up is a droid that I sent you a picture of after watching the episode of Star Wars Vision. Ah, uh, yeah. And that is the episode Toby One. The droid CO3 is trusty astronaut droid. Right? And this is like, I mean, he kind of even looks like Clink a little bit. It's like the same sort of vibe, except he doesn't have arms. Um, but yeah, he's he's very cute. <laughs> Not like he has eyes and a mouth and he just makes these little like noises. Yeah. Talk about how like, you know, they they're able to what they're able to do with animation. Like now add the level of anime to that and how uh, it's unavoidable that you're going to get absolutely the cutest droids in all of Star Wars in Star Wars Visions without question. So those who are listening may not know the episode uh, told me one of vision told me little sidekick droid CL3 the moment I saw that droid I sent a picture of him to Laura <laughs> because I knew how much Laura loves her droids I do and I rightfully so with this one You, it was a good thought to send this to me because I my favorite thing in all of visions I think were the droids um 
because some of the stories like didn't necessarily land with me and even like you know tob1 was one of them i didn't like particularly have any attachment to that to that story as a whole but oh man that droid mm-hmm. those big eyes like oh just stole my heart <laughs> indeed so as we sort of wrap up our discussion of droids i think droids deserve a little bit more respect from the likes of Obi-Wan and Han Solo. They're both very dismissive of droids. They are indeed. And you'd think that Obi-Wan would have like more compassion. I mean, like you kind of get why Han Solo is like a little bit of a hard ass. I can kind of understand that. But like with, with Obi-Wan, you would think that he like, not the attachment part of it, but that at least he would not be so willy nilly, you know, throwing them away or considering that r4 saved his life a bunch of times right and like he has he has hardly any reaction to r4 p17 having her head blown off during Mm -hmm. of course on i'm just like come on man she she put her life on the line there for you and lost her head for it like so we we (laughs) we officially at page turners they were not give a finger wag to obi-wan exactly yeah he's He's not the all perfect character that we all want him to be. It'll be interesting to see if he's softened on droids at all by the time we get to uh, by the time we get to the Obi-Wan show. Um, I do I think there's a story though in from a certain point of view where Obi-Wan like kind of like looks down at R2 at one point, who he's pretending he doesn't know mm-hmm. in, in in a new hope and saying, you know it's nice to fly with you again, my friend. And I'm just like, okay, maybe he did learn eventually, but it took some time. Yeah. Yep. So we, we here at Fate's Journey, they were not hope that Obi-Wan has learned his lesson. (laughs) So as we come to the end, Laura, I would like to know what does Star Wars mean to you? Oh, that's hard to sum up in just a single sentence. <laughs> you know, during the during the Schmodown season, it just means stress uh, for the most part. So oh, I know the feeling. <laughs> <laughs> but fortunately, that's not all the time. Um, it, it's not, you know, constant. And we're here in the off season now for at least for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it gets to mean, you know, it gets to be more sacred for me, I think, in that sense. Um, for a a big chunk of it for me is escapism. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think when like the 2016 election happened and oh, I was boy. sort of in the early stages of become a very enthusiastic Star Wars fan, like that was really a poignant time uh, for it to come into my life and for me to be able to kind of, unfortunately, you know, instead of being more active, I was kind of burying my head in the sand. That is Star Wars. Um, and it got me through. And that's really the thing that oh. will probably always endear Star Wars to me, even if I, I come and go from fandoms that's, you know, I hyper fixate on things and that's the way of the, of the world. Um, but Star Wars, no matter where I ended up with it, it'll always have a warm place in my heart. And the story of the triumph of good over evil. And hope, yes, and hope. exactly. It's exactly what we needed at that time yes it's exactly what we needed in the 70s when it came out it's exactly what was needed when the prequels came out 
Yeah, it struck a chord every every generation and every era. It struck a chord with those people who needed it, and I needed it when I needed it, and it will. It continues to stay with me, and I continue to get mm-hmm. to get a lot of enjoyment out of it. Yep, and I could not agree more. And that is what Star Wars is at the end of the day. It is about hope. <laughs> exactly. Well. Thank you, Laura, so very much for appearing on this show. Thank you for having me, Brennan. This was great. Yeah, I mean, I, your insight is is extremely valuable. <laughs> and you're just an amazing presence Thank in the you. Star Wars fandom. Thank you. That means a lot. I really appreciate it. I try to bring positivity as much as I can. Um, and I know that you do, too, so I really appreciate that. Any any person who can bring that that positivity to the fandom that desperately needs it, oh, yes. we need more people like the, like you uh, and like that. So uh, yeah, cheers to everybody <laughs> out you. there who's who's bringing the warm heartedness uh, to the fandom that desperately needs it. <laughs> and those of you out there who wonder what you can contribute, tools exist for you to do your own podcast. If you want to get out there and put your voice out there, I say do it. The tools are there. We need your voices. So, Anyhow, Laura, thank you so very much. Thank you, everyone, for listening. My name is Brennan Marr. That noise you're hearing is my ventilator, and thank you for tuning in. Today's Turner's Day were not my Star Wars podcast. Laura, where can they find you? You can come find me on Twitter at shut up underscore Laura. That's the best place to find me on Twitter. Um, I'm on Instagram too, but I'm much more active on Twitter. And uh, the show that I host with my friend Alice is called Force Toast, a Star Wars happy hour. That's our audio podcast that you can find at all of the wonderful places that you find podcasts. And the show that I host with John Roca on his channel is The Jedi Way. And we just talk about sort of big picture concepts within Star Wars and we have a lot of fun doing it. So please check all of that out. And I cannot recommend it enough. Laura's stuff is absolutely worth checking out. Well, everyone, thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. Thank you for being with us. And thank you, Laura, for being here. Thank you for having me. Everyone listening, may the force be with you. And we'll catch you later.